I'm going to say something before I preach. I'm going to get right down here and I'm going to make a statement. These men of God that are going on to the glory world. Listen, listen to me, I'm going to, I'm going to help you. I, I read a lot about the wars, especially World War II. It fascinates me. I guess when the blood run the deepest of ever. And I have a lot of books and so forth. But I, I read about after a fierce battle with the, of course, the American troops and the Germans, and many casualties that day. That night, as the nightfall come on, why they drew back into their places to try to get a little bit of rest, preparing for the next day. The superior officer gathered as many around him as he could. Listen to me now. And he said, uh, tonight we mourn the loss of our comrades that failed today. Tonight we talk about the loss, the loss, the loss. But he said, tomorrow's battle depends on those that are left. Those that are left. And he said, there's a lot of opportunities. Some of you are going to get a promotion as a result of those who fell in battle today. You're going to get a battlefield commission. So as a result of these men passing off the scene, there's some moving up. The opportunity is there, but the responsibility is there. So give it your best shot. You'll be glad a thousand times you did when you get to the glory world. Let's open our book, our Bible today to the book of Isaiah chapter number 26. Isaiah chapter number 26. I'm going to preach from a very, very familiar verse. You probably already spotted it. If you, verse number three, and I trust the Lord will use it to be a blessing and encouragement to your heart. Let me say a thing or two about the book of Isaiah. In the book of Isaiah chapter number one, we find that the Lord, he volunteers to reason with man. The book of Isaiah chapter one and verse number 18, a very familiar passage. He said, come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow, and though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Can you imagine that? I never read that without it fascinating me. Thinking about God willing to reason with man. Reason, he's talking about the nation of Israel but I'm sure we can make application without doing any harm to the Scripture. In chapter number 6, I'm just hitting three, two or three of them, uh, we see uh, that the prophet gets a vision of the Lord high and lifted up. Alan used this passage in, uh, the other day at a funeral and talked about how that, uh, that a lot of times God will use the event of death and to speak to, to people. It's very, very sobering. He got a vision of the Lord, high and lifted up. He, there's the upward look, and, and then there's the inward look, and then the outward look. Yeah. You, you brethren preach that, I'm sure. 
Then in chapter number seven, talks about the virgin birth. Praise God for the virgin birth of the Son of God. And if he wasn't uh, virgin born, then we might as well quit right now and throw in the towel and go to the house. But I'm glad to report to you that he was virgin born. Yes, sir. And of course in Isaiah chapter number 53, we see the vicarious suffering of our Lord. How, how that the Lord, uh, God uh, the Father laid upon him the iniquity of us all. How he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth and brought his lamb to the slaughter and the sheep before his shares is done. He didn't say a word. He didn't open his mouth. He said prior to that, for this purpose came I into the world, to this end was I born. And it pleased the Father to bruise him. And he said, who hath declared his generation? I wondered what that meant until I got to reading a little bit. Why didn't somebody uh, accept the challenge and stand up that day and give the genealogy of the Lord Jesus when he said that he was the king of the Jews. Well, it would have been perfectly in order and he would have stood all test to trace him all the way back to the lineage of David. But they wanted to take it down. Pilate said, no, what's written is written. That was God's way. God's way. Yes, sir. He is the king of the Jews. Hallelujah. But I'm glad that on the first trip he came to pay the sin debt that we might be redeemed. But um, in Isaiah chapter number 26, and verse number three says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Here he vouches that he will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on on the Lord. This is the prescription for peace in perilous times. If I had a uh, title today, that's what it would be. Prescription for peace in perilous times. Now we are living in perilous times. I hope that you've looked around recently and see just where we are. I believe with all of my heart we're in the last days Men and evil men and seducers waxing worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. How are you gonna, how are you gonna survive? Well, I tell you that right here's the, the recipe is keep your mind on the things of God. Keep your eyes on Jesus. He's able to take us through. It, it might be blowing us out of the water, but it's no surprise to him. Matter of fact, he told us what it was going to be like in the last days. Instead of dragging our feet, praise God, we ought to be doing the buck dance. If we believe this book, we're heading out of here. And I'm, I'm truth to say, I'm not all tore up today, praise God. I'm, I'm getting close to the borderline anyhow, so I, it don't matter. But okay, we're going out of here one way or the other. I'm a winner either way, praise God. If I go or if I stay, if I go, praise God, when I see him, boy, that's gonna be something. See him as he is. I got a message on that. If I'd known you were gonna sing it, I might have preached it. <laughs> but I believe that I'm on target here today talking about the peace. 
peace. Now let me say something. Peace is uh, something the world can't give. You'll never find it out there in the world. Many have tried it. And uh, it's something the world can't give. It's something the devil doesn't want you to have. And if you have any peace in your heart, it will be in spite of the devil. And let me say something else. If you really have peace in your heart, why, it's something that your friends will be envious of. Man, I know what I'm talking about. I, sometimes when I'm about half backslid, you know, and not doing too well in the spiritual realm, and I meet somebody just clicking their heels, and I get about half mad. I, I don't I tell nobody, but I do. Somebody just, I mean, just absolutely uh, uh, excited, and their heart's elated um, over the things of God. You had that at one time. You've been there. If you hadn't, shame on you. But um, I, it's, it's good, and I, I certainly enjoy it when I have that peace deep down in my heart. Now, peace, in a general sense, is a state of quiet or tranquility, freedom from disturbance or agitation. It means that, praise God, all is well in your heart. You lay down on your bed at night and instead of tossing and turning and, and you just lay down there and, and there's a sense of, of God's peace and tranquility that goes over your soul. I've on many occasions, praise God, I've laid there and just staring up into the ceiling with a, a deep settled peace down in my heart. Not as the world gives, but as God gives. And when you've got that deep set of peace, Solomon said, When thou liest down, thou shalt not be afraid. Yea, and thy sleep shall be sweet. Thank God for that peace. Peace, peace, wonderful, wonderful peace. Brother Spurgeon says, that holy calm, I think maybe this is part of a song. That holy calm, that sweet repose, which none but he that feels it knows. <laughs> Man, you can't really define it to, or express it to somebody that has never experienced it. It's something from within the peace that passes all understanding yes, sir. and all misunderstanding. Yeah. You'll need that one too. We're living in a world of confusion and misunderstanding. Man, I'm, I'm, I've been saved 40 years. I'm 67 years old. I've never seen much confusion in my life. Never have. But I know one thing. God's in control and I'm just going to ride out the storm by the good grace of God. A lot of misunderstanding among God's people. I'll tell you where that comes from just a little bit later into the message. But oh, I'm glad. I'm glad that we can't experience that, that 
holy calm down in your bosom. Regardless, if things are falling apart, blowing up or whatever, you can still experience that. Now, he says in the word of God, Psalms 119, 165, you know, great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. Then he talks about the, the perfect peace. Talks about, uh, he says, my peace I give unto thee, not as the world giveth. Boy, like grace, like faith, thank God for that peace that we have deep down in our hearts. Paul, in most of his um, epistles, in the salutation, why? He talks about grace be unto you and peace be multiplied from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the God of peace. Romans chapter number 15, verse number 33 says, Now the God of peace be with you all, amen. So he, God, created peace. He created peace. He started this thing off right. Now it's, it's messed up considerably, considerably, but I'm telling you, it, it was right in the beginning. I'm, some of you might have heard me read this, but for the benefit of you that haven't, I want to read what perhaps it was like in the Garden of Eden. Paul Van Gorder's dad wrote this many, many years ago. He said, what possession and dominion man had. It is staggering to try to comprehend it. The whole earth was at his feet. He was the vice regent of it all. His home had been prepared for him by his maker. He lived in uninterrupted communion with God and in friendship with all of the animal kingdom. He was an innocent man in a God-made environment. No thorn ever pricked his hand as he plucked the roses along the bridal paths of Eden. The birds hushed him to sleep with their songs pitched in the major key. No tear dimmed his eye. No sweat stained his face. He knew no toil. He knew no tears. He knew no sign. And he knew no dying. How would you like to be in on that? Well, I, I mean, that's about as good as I've heard. But that probably doesn't do it justice. I mean, the best language is limited. The best, the best vocabulary is not adequate when it comes to describing the original creation of our God. I'll tell you, there's somebody that wants to disturb that peace. And the eons of, of time, back yonder, long before that God ever made man, my brother, Amen. the stinking, no good, rotten devil. There was a time when, of course, you go to the book of Ezekiel. I read it again last night, chapter number 28. Oh, what, talk about what dominion that man had. You go read what dominion that Lucifer had. Everything, I mean, he's next in line to God. 
He's the anointed cherub that covereth. He's the highest of the archangels. He's clothed with light and with majesty. But all that, he was perfect in all his ways until iniquity was found in him. He was lifted up in pride and he wanted to disturb the peace of heaven. Perfect harmony, all the cherubims, the seraphims were subordinate to, to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. Everything was in perfect harmony until sin entered. He tries to disrupt, disrupt the peace of heaven. I'm glad that he didn't get it done. Praise God, he didn't come close to getting done. He might be the highest of all created intelligence, but he's going up against omniscience. Uh, the God that, that not only inhabits eternity, but he knows all things and declared the end from the beginning. He didn't take God by surprise when he tried to buck the ranks. No, sir. God already made plans for that bird. And he took him and he booted him out of heaven, praise God. Those um, 70 disciples that Jesus sent out, they came back and bragging about all the, the success of uh, their journey and how that the demons were subject to them, some being healed and of all manner of diseases. And Jesus said, well, that's all right. But let me tell you something, fellas. I was there. You, I beheld Satan when he was cast out and down to, here he comes tumbling down and he becomes the prince and the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. There were no human beings at that particular time. This is an eternity past. I don't know, I don't know how long it's been but I promise you it's been a long time and I'm not trying to hold it to 6,000 years. Some, you know, they're scared to death to give a little leadway as far as time's concerned. The, uh, the agnostics and evolutionists and, and the, the, those that believe in evolution, they're afraid they're gonna give them a loophole. Hey, give them another million or a billion years, they still hadn't proved nothing. He's God. He's from everlasting to everlasting. From vanishing to vanishing. He always has been. And he always will be. And I said this many times. I hadn't always been, but I always will be. <laughs> if that ever lights on you, why? You'll get airborne. We're in this thing for the long haul. Glory to God. I preach Sunday on God's long-term care. That's all you hear now. Go to, go to the uh, mailbox. They send me one letter. It said, said, said Reverend Aiken, your birthday will be the, March the 17th. Now, you need to get this barrel insurance. Before, uh, you know, before March the 17th, it's going to go up. But prior to that, they sent me one talking about extended care, long-term care. And, and the same day, I got three. One, long-term care, 
and uh, one barrel insurance and another one with a check already made out for $30,000 says go loan me. <laughs> this other company. If I was as near death as they thought I was, I don't believe I'd be loaning any, any money with you. <laughs> This, this world's crazy. Man, they're crazy as a bed bug. You better, you better buckle up and get back close to the Lord. Well, he, he tried to disturb the peace of the heaven. He failed. But when God created Adam and Eve and put him in this environment, that, I, that garden of Eden, there's another garden. Eden's mentioned over in Ezekiel chapter number 28. I may lose some of you right here, but I believe what I believe, and until you prove to me different, why you, uh, I'm gonna keep believing it. And when you come after me, you better be ready, amen? I don't know all that went on back there, but I tell you one thing, God's been in business longer than 6,000 years. Yes, sir. And I wanna ask you where the devil's at. When he said he would ascend up on high, and exalt his throne above the most high. Where was he? Good question. You figure it out, we'll talk about it. But anyhow, anyhow, he couldn't stand to see Adam and Eve in that garden with the peace and the serenity in their soul that only God can give. An innocent man and woman in a God-made environment I mean, he didn't have to work. He did have something to do. He took after the garden. No thorns and thistles and all that. It was a pleasure. Didn't need no miracle growth. Uh, and it, everything, man, it was the, the vim, vigor, and vitality was in that soil. The devil, he couldn't stand that. So he comes with that suggestive language that he comes to the weaker vessel. I know that you know this, but you need to be reminded of it again. Amen, Amen, yes, sir. The devil, he tries, has tried to destroy peace in heaven and the garden of Eden and every place on planet earth ever since. And he's still at it. And he's good at it. He's had a lot of experience. He knows how to, he knows how to get at him. So you know the story? How that they listened to him, they fell, and they lost their peace. The peace and the satisfaction of soul. And they ran. I guess they ran. They were getting, trying to get away before God got there. And hide among the trees of the garden. Listen, people got a tendency when they lose their peace, they get all out of sorts. I'm talking about Christians. They want to isolate themselves back off in seclusion somewhere, blame everybody else and, and the country and live a defeated life. There's many of them sitting home today and you're listening to my voice right now. You had that peace one time. You were in the church of God. I'm talking about God's church, amen? Not necessarily the denomination. I'm talking about the church of the living God. You were there and you were taking a leading part. You were as happy as you could be until somebody messed you up, you think. Paul asked them, 
those there, it was a glacier. Who, you did run well. You were doing good. Yeah. Somebody hindered you. You blame it on somebody. Somebody messed you up. So you do not have that peace that you once had. Well, you can get it back. It may take a little while. You won't never step back right in where you were. But I'm glad to report to you that God came down and and the cool of that day. And the the innocent animal was slain. The skins were were taken and, and they were clothed. And they were... They were restored to to, to God, but still sin, as a result of their disobedience, sin had spread across this universe faster than the speed of light, 286,000 miles per second. And ever since then, the whole universe and every person that's ever been born since, they have been born outside the Garden of Eden, and they have been born in a sinful environment. I'm telling you, you know where you're at, don't you? You are in the enemy's territory. Yes, sir. But I'm glad, thank God, that we can, uh, we can enjoy, we can enjoy a measure of peace. Now, let me say before I go any further, that peace, there's the peace with God, and there's the peace of God, you got your peace with God and when you got saved with the good grace of God. But to have the peace of God constantly on your life and you know, few, few ever really enjoys that. The constant peace. I mean, to, without a shaking up somewhere down the road. Now you may say, well preacher, you're going to kill this thing. No, I'm just facing reality. Yeah, I've been saved will be 40 years come August and I don't know it all, but I know a few things well, praise God. Amen. I've walked with the Lord by his good grace. I've been in church every time the doors is open, and to God be the glory. Amen. And I've preached with a broke arm. I've preached with broke ribs. I've preached when I fell off of the cross tie wall and peeled my head all across there. I went on to the house of God in anyhow. Put me a big bandana up there like, William Nelson, and I went right on and preached anyhow, hallelujah. I've been there, hallelujah. Sir, I'm not talking out of the top of my head. Been there a while, praise God. And I found him to be absolutely altogether lovely. Oh, I'm glad that every once in a while that God reminds me. He's the creator of peace. He's the controller of peace, my friend. He certainly is. He tells us, said, wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who were called uncircumcision by that which is called circumcision in the flesh, that at that time you were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. How quickened us together. Praise God. I'm glad. I'm glad. For he is our peace. He is our peace. Yes, sir. Who have made both one, broken down that middle wall or partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity contained in ordinances for to make a twain one new man. 
later over in that chapter, why? He said he came and he preached peace to, to them that were afar off and them that were nigh. Aren't you glad of that? He preached a peace. For through him, praise God, we both, both Jew and Gentile, have access to, to God the Father through Jesus Christ. And he said, after this, therefore, now therefore, you're no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the household of God and built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophet Jesus Christ, himself being the chief cornerstone whom all the building fitly frameth together groweth to a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are building together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. But it talks about his peace, how that we were alienated from the life of God, had no hope. But the God our peace come, come seeking us out, searching us out, that he might restore that which he took not away. Hallelujah. He's our peace. And uh, I appreciate him for it. Being justified freely by his grace, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We're living in a world a mass confusion. People are wondering, how do you really get right with God? And after you get right with God, how do you maintain that peace and that fellowship with God? Well, I tell you one thing. It's, you, you, I know you're saved by grace plus nothing. Absolutely, you're kept by grace plus nothing. But if you maintain that peace, you're going to have to be an obedient child of God. Amen. We cannot just do anything anyway and have the peace down in our heart. Because um, not only, I mean, we're higher than the animal kingdom, we're, we're created in the image of God. Before we ever got saved of God's grace, we have a, a a, a conscience which is a monitor of the soul. Now that we're saved with the good grace of God, there's we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. Yeah. One called alongside to help. And he, there's times that he just won't bless it. He won't do it. And I mean, you feel like that you have, uh, I mean, been sent far as the old timers you saying couldn't make it. I'm talking about saved people. When they first got saved, by the good grace of God. Man, they, they thought that the devil had been bound. I, I reckon I thought that. And the world was bowing to me. I mean, I had full control. And everybody was hugging my neck and, you know, and telling me how glad that I was, I mean, that they were that I'd gotten saved. And I was getting all these phone calls and, you know, and all this good stuff that you get and when you first get saved. And, but then as you go along, as you go along, there comes a time for you to grow up. And the devil, this is speculation, supposition, take it for what it's worth. The devil, he comes up to God. He said, you see, you convert down there, he's, he's really been obstructing his stuff. And uh, he's really showing out. Uh, you want me to, uh, to humble him a little bit? And God said, well, it ain't, may not be quite time right yet. But sure enough, we push our look, we overstep our bounds and make all these predictions and things that we're gonna do. Then one day, listen to me, one day, 
God gives the devil permission to sift you. And when he dies, you, I mean, you're going to wonder where the yellow went, buddy. It used to be a commercial at Pepsodent. You'll wonder where the yellow went when you brush your teeth with Pepsodent. You'll wonder when the devil hits you just right. That uneasy feeling comes back. You'll wonder if you've lost it. No, you hadn't lost it. It's just a time for a little trial and a little test. I promise you. And then those that really appreciated you so much, you know, they, they're gone yonder. And you're on your own. Yeah. See, I guess this week, I guess I'll have to sponsor my own day, buy my own suit, preach my own message, and sing my own song. Amen. <laughs> I can do it by the good grace of God. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm not crying on anybody's shoulder. I'm telling you the way that it is. You may be high on the totem pole right now, but I promise you that there'll come a day you've got an humbling experience coming. Yes, sir. Let me hit them minutes since they're not here. That's jumped from one church to another. And, and, and if, if God told you to move, that's fine. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something. If, if, and I'm begging everybody that's under the sound of my voice here and in and, and the radio audience, stay where you are at. If nobody else changes... From where they are, it, Brother Randy, it'll take five solid years to clear up the confusion. Nobody else may not have the nerve to say it, but I'm saying it. Let me make, me make some really mad. I'm going to say something else. I'm not going to get as rough as Rudy did last night, but I'm going to say a thing or two right here. If you just recently changed churches and you've been there a while, you ready for it? Don't call down here and sponsor a day in honor of your new pastor and just drive that your former pastor into the ground. Amen. 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 Is that good business? Is that good preaching? Yes, sir. Preach it, brother. Amen. I ain't even ethical. I ain't even close. That makes me question your spirituality. Sometimes your intelligence. Yes, amen. Come on. Amen. Yeah. I guess this is my last year. But anyhow, that's the way it is. Praise God, let's act civilized. And if we can't get along, let's be friends anyhow. Praise God. Hallelujah. That need to be said. Yes, and I'm going to tell you that with the spur of the moment. That was premeditated. <laughs> yes, sir. That's the way it is. Yes, sir. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples. You have love one toward another. Hallelujah. And, you know, and then if where you're at, if it's going good, holler glory. Glory, glory, glory. The apostle, and I know this is a little bit out of, out of context here, 
but he said, I know how to abound and how to be abased. <laughs> I take that and I'll make a reference. I've had them coming by the groves, amen? And then I watched them cut a trail. You know, they, they left. And they did not look better going than they did coming. That's one of the most idiotic statements that I've ever heard any preacher make. No, sir. What are you saying, preacher? Things like that disturb the sheep. And it brings about an unrest and it cramps the spirit of God. Am I right? I'm not the oldest fellow here. I'm older than Mark, believe it or not. So I can say whatever, amen? What Brother Sattler said, the only advantage of, of being old, you can say some things and get away with it. <laughs> At peace. Peace. Don't, don't do anything intentionally. I'm not mad at nobody. And I still love everybody, praise God. Just saying some things that need to be said. Yes, sir. Love the, love the man of God. And, and keep peace in, the, in that church and harmony, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. That means to bend over backwards if at all, all possible. So stay put, stay put. Listening audience, stay put. Amen. Stay where you're at. Because by the time you get settled in where you went, I'll blow all the pieces and back to where you just left will start blooming out again. That's the way it goes. There's no such a thing as a perfect church. No, sir, because the devil is going to disturb the peace of that church. My wife and I were coming out of Virginia one time, coming down near Reedsville, North Carolina, and had the radio on trying to pick up a preacher. And I picked up one, and man, he was ready. This was on a Monday, and he's talking about services on the the, the day before, the Lord's Day. He said, man, we had a time. Had to say, God bless, we shouted her out. And he said, what I like about it, he said, ain't nothing the devil can do about it. He said, who's afraid of the devil? He said, he's nothing but a backslid angel. So I ain't afraid of him. I thought, you poor, ignorant thing, you. I bet he knows now who the devil is. Amen. He is, he is a fallen angel. But listen to me, when he fell, all of, he's the, the highest of all intelligence. That which once time glorified God in his majesty and his beauty and the music area now has been, has been switched in the opposite direction. Boy, I'll tell you what's the truth. Listen to the news lately. I'm glad that I didn't get stomped to death in a, in, in a casino somewhere. Yes, sir. I could have. That's about all the sense I had. I've been in a world that's going got rough. I'm glad that I didn't get burnt up in, at a rock concert. Amen. Now, you believe whatever you want to. And every once in a while, God says that's enough, and I'm going to make an example out of somebody. And he does. That's right. And when he does, he does it right. There's nothing nobody can say about it. Amen, but stand back Amen. in awe 
Even the newscasters get real serious and almost religious at that particular time. Well, I'm glad that, to know about the, the peace. The peace, praise God, that passes all understanding. But let me say, if you have peace, you're going to have to have peace in spite of the stress of living. Yes, sir. It's stressful, stressful. The environment which can break you and the adjustments which can make you if you really trust God. Now, you think these folks that work these plants is really too peaceful right now? I mean, they lost their job. And I wouldn't want to get into what I think about that fella. It's instrumental in shutting this plant down here. If I said what I'm thinking, I guess they would arrest me when I go out the door here, so I won't say it. But that ain't right, amen? We have been sold out in this country. We've been sold out. But if you have peace, you're going to have to have it in spite of all the stress. The heartaches and the problems of life. And don't think that you're the only one that's got them. A man born a woman, he's a few days and full of trouble. He comes forth like a flyer and he is cut out. You don't, do you know how frail that you are? Or in, in Psalms 90, Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before, before the, the, the mountain was brought forth, thou hast formed the earth and the world. From everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Now listen here. He said, Thou turnest man to destruction and save each. Return, ye children of men. For a thousand years in thy sight is but yesterday when it's past and as a watch in the night. He said they're like a sleep in the morning, a little nap. They're like the grass. In the morning it groweth up, it flourisheth and it groweth up and eating and it's cut out and it withereth. He said, Lord, we're, we're frail. He said, we're frail. He said, um, we're consumed by thy wrath and so forth. And, and he said, our, you, you, thou hast set our iniquities before thee and our secret sin is in the light of thy countenance. You think God don't know what's going on? He knows all about it. But I said all that to say this, how frail that we are. God says to turn him to dust and he, he's gone. I promise you, when God gives the signal, you are me, whoever, we are long gone. Help us to remember that. But I can have peace and confidence in the fact, praise God, if a man dies, he shall live again. This is not the end. And I promise you that the Troubles and the trials of this life, they are temporal. They won't be forever, thank God. Amen. Yet a little while, and he that will come, will come and will not tarry. You can take it. And, but see, the devil, he tried to disturb heaven. He disturbed the garden. He tries to disturb every family. You know why that you got problems and 
misunderstandings in your home. The devil is against your home. Amen. He, he, he can't stand to see a family in harmony, the wife in subjection, the husband in his proper place, the children obedient. He can't stand that. And so he goes to ever, I mean, whatever avenue he needs to, to, to get in. And he gets in that home. He's going to disturb the peace. And he picks out one that's really questioned. Does it really pay to live for God? He pulls them off to the side, whether it's the man, whether it's the woman, where it's one of the children. And he begins to put something in their ear and cause them to rise up and rebel against authority, not only of the parents, but against the authority of God's precious word. First thing you know, that home is disturbed. The peace is gone. They're not on speaking terms. And man, it paralyzed that home and, it, and everything else that they come in contact with. You cannot be at your best without having peace in your heart, in your soul toward God. And at peace towards your fellow man. And especially your companion. My wife's sitting right here, my daughter and my son. You know, I wouldn't want to lie. You ever, maybe I mentioned this before, but if you ever tried to preach mad, have you? Don't you get mad before two o'clock, boy. Do you in real trouble. <laughs> I tried a little bit of it. It's the hardest thing I have ever done in my life. Yes, yes sir. And I can fake it pretty good. And I've seen some can fake it real good. And some just couldn't. I mean, it was rolled all over them time they come through the door. <laughs> yeah. I ought to have an altar call. Get right with God before they ever try to preach. Get that peace restored. Amen. Get up there and, and see if you ain't right with God, you can't help nobody. Oh, that's right. That's right. No, sir. Oh, Lord, have mercy. It'd been a lot of times a man would be better off. I mean, he didn't have peace in his own heart. He'd be better off to go fishing. He would go try to preach. And, yes, sir. Because he'd get in big trouble. Well, Brother Roy Goodson used to say, or be at least as honest as old Ahab said, I'm wounded, take me out of the battle. Take me out, I'm not fit to preach. And when you're not right in your heart, when I'm not right in my heart, and I don't have peace and satisfaction in my heart, I'm not fit to preach. Amen. Now, occasionally, God will overrule. But you make a habit of it, and I promise you, God will paralyze that thing. Am I right? Yes, sir. But if you step up there with peace in your heart and confidence, and boy, I've been with God. Been talking to him. I woke up 3 o'clock this morning, turned the light on. I'm not trying to brag on myself. I don't sleep a little bit at a time. Got my Bible, and I lay there, and I read some verses, and Praise God and meditated on the goodness of our blessed Lord. Used to, before I got saved, go to bed in a drunken stupor and, and sleep four or five hours and wake up and all the fear and that ungodly feeling that I had in my, my body, my being, no peace. The devil said, why don't you go get another drink and, and get yourself settled down. That's what he's saying to this world. But I'm going to tell you what God said. There's no peace to the wicked. Saith my God. They're like the troubled sea that cast up dirt and mire. 
They're drowned in that thing with alcohol and drugs and one of these days, they're gonna wake up in the regions of the damned. You talk about unrest where they'll be tormented day and night forever and forever. Well, peace, peace, prescription for peace in perilous times. That peace is created by God, it's controlled by God. It continues by keeping your mind and your heart on God. And then, let me say, that peace will be completed. Yeah, there's coming a day. There's coming a day. Thank God when peace is going to reign on this earth. Now, peace is the opposite of war. Is that right? Yes, sir. We're on the brink of I don't know what. And it seems like nobody is even mentioning it, saying anything about it. But I'm telling you, the fur is fixing to fly, as my dad used to say. You just wait and see. And I'm not sure exactly how it's going to come out. I believe with all my heart and start looking for me. You know, rational standpoint, they said we had the, you know, the best soldiers in the world. We had the best uh, equipment for war. Those had the best men as far as the strategy of war is concerned. And uh, Colonel Oliver North said we're going to get them at night and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna hit them in the depth of midnight because it, we had the best night vision and equipment in the world. Well... If it all goes according to plan, but God could change the order. Now, I'll tell you something. I know that God's not for those Muslim nations. They are in error bad. The only way, but they're in darkness. You know that outfit believes they're right. They calling us infidels and heathens and so forth, they think that they're right. The only way that God would ever show them any favor would be to chastise us because we know we got the truth of God's precious word. I don't know what's going to happen, but I don't see how they could go in and and the, the object of the battle is to take him out. And him surrounded by the Republican Guard, the best troops that he has, I don't know how they could take him out without getting a bunch of our uh, men killed. I don't know. But we'll see what happens in the days that lie ahead. But I'm glad to report to you there's coming a day, thank God, when the Lord Jesus shall descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel. The dead in Christ will be raised. We which are alive and remain to be changed, called up together, going to meet the Lord in the air. That the judgment seat of Christ, while the seven years tribulation, and somewhere interwoven in there is the marriage supper coming back. Thank God he comes back and, and his feet sit down on the Mount of Olives and she cleaves in the mist and becomes a great plain. He's going to reign for 1,000 years. He, he ain't going to be begging and pleading with people to get right with God. They're going to get right with God. I promise you. And he's going to put all enemies under his feet. And peace on earth. That's what that angel said when he was born. 
For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior which is Christ the Lord. This shall be a sign, and you shall find him wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Then he said, Peace on earth and goodwill toward men. It's coming. You talk about a time when the knowledge of the Lord covers the earth as waters cover the sea. And peace rules and reigns because the prince of peace sitting upon the throne of his father David. And he takes over, thank God. He's taken over. And then after that, after that, there'll be another little deal when the, when the devil is loose for a little season, he goes out on the breath of the, of the camp and, and everybody's sometime or another is going to be tested to see if they got the real goods or not. Now, you know this, but I'm going to tell you something. And the, some's going to follow the stinking devil again. Can you believe that? They're going to follow him again. And then after that, oh, I'm going to tell you something. The, the great white throne judgment where, listen, listen to me. You're listening to me by the means of radio and you're not right with God. And you die in your sins and, and you are summons before the great white throne. And the books are open, the books of, of deeds, not to determine your salvation or whether you're lost or not, but determine your eternal punishment in the lake of fire. I was reading what Brother Charles Haddon Spurgeon said. Now listen to me. If this don't strike terror to your heart, I don't know what it would take. And he said the beast of the false prophet and the, the, the wicked trinity is cast into hell and, and all those that know not God, they're, they're given their degree of punishment and cast into hell. He said God locks, God locks the, the gate of the lake of fire for eternity. He reaches back and he takes the key. Listen to me. He takes the key and he hurls it into eternity. He banishes them from his presence. He has the power to erase them from his omniscience. And they're in hell forever and forever and ever. No peace, no peace, turmoil, agony, misery forever and forever. You appreciate your peace that you have in your heart? I trust that you won't take it lightly. 